Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You had an, you still do, I shouldn't say had, this is present tense, an unbelievable bond with the Philadelphia fans. Yeah. And I I said it before, and I wasn't just, just trying to be, you know, outrageous. You arguably are the most popular Eagle that's ever played. And that's a mouthful for an organization that's been around since 1933, man. Can you just talk about that and how quickly that bond formed between you and the fans here? It, it, formed, it, it formed pretty quickly. I believe a lot of it is because of the way that I play the game. Because of what you just talked, what you talked about earlier, B, that like I, I didn't take stuff for granted. I, I grind, I, I work to, to earn everything that I got. And that's that's really been my life. I have to, I've had to work and grind for everything. Later, but without further ado, uh, he's going to be in town. We're looking forward to that coming up in, in a couple of weeks, or actually next week. He's going to be joining us uh, in town. Oh yeah, for the Brian Dawkins Impact Foundation Pen Oaks Country Club out. Oh West yeah, Central next Wednesday. There he is, Big Dawk. What's up, Brian? I'm absolutely blessed. How you gentlemen doing? Good the man. Ultimate weapon, man. There he is. There he is. What's up, bro? How's it going, Jack? man? Look at that, bless man. Up, bless that up. Bless busted up. Busted out of that T-shirt. Love it. Look at him, man. The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> I like that pillow, too, by, by the way, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was Strong, uh, man. Yeah. A lot of this stuff that you see it was Connie. So, don't, I can't take credit. <laughs> hey, 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 Doc, uh, I, I can still remember a few times, either when I had you on my Gun on One podcast or when we do a lot of our Zooms. Um, for the, the Dawkins Impact Foundation leading up to this golf tournament, I will see you sitting at your computer. And you're going, what happened? And I can see Connie move in. And so, <laughs> so, you know, what? I, I say that because I feel good that there are so many people out there that are as almost technology as illiterate as I am. I mean, I've, I've, I've gotten better, obviously. COVID, but yeah, you're right. Like, if I need my tech assistant, my yes. biggest tech assistant, absolutely. <laughs> Connie's, Connie's, that's that's her. That's her. So, so I said hello, man. And a lot of people don't know B. Everybody knows B. Dog is the you know Weapon X. Um, but I remember Dog. You know, my I, he got there my second year, and he was a second rounder. And I can remember they had to re, they had to tell him, look, Brian, you're not getting cut. <laughs> so, so the three really? years, the three years I played with B. Dog. Every time he walked into the locker room, he would peek at his, he peek through the doors in the vet and see, make sure there's not a pink slip in his locker. And that's the way he approached it. The three years I played with him, he that's would real. peek in his, he peek in there and look, oh, there's no pink slip yeah. there. And this is when he was, even though like his, his, he was on that trajectory going up, even that year we went three and 13, he was still balling because um, Emmett, Emmett Thomas made yeah. him, you know, put him in positions where, you know, you didn't usually put safeties, man, but I can just remember that, you know, and how humbled he was, you know, just, just being in that locker room, just, all right, I'm still good. You know, and during that time, you know, Connie just, you know, just had little B. I mean, yeah. it was crazy. And, oh, yeah. and then 
Another thing. Remember when our kids played in uh, Pop Warner football and that team was smashing us? They was beating us like 32 to nothing. And they turned around, the, the, the fans, I mean, their uh, parents are like, you guys, are, that's unfair. You guys are teaching uh, our, your kids how to, I'm like, what are you talking about? Exactly. We were getting crushed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. it was me, it was me, um, uh, who, Coy Detmer also, his son was on the team too, man. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And, and I'll tell you, my son, he was, he was in the, he, instead of paying attention, he's, you know, picking up rocks and throwing rocks off the field. You know, he, everything but football, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> everything but football, man. But that, that's who I know. That's who I know as far as Brian, you know, that's, that's who I saw his progression, man. Like I said, it's, it's, it's been such a blessing, man, to play with two of the best safeties to ever play the game. Him and Troy mm -hmm. Palomalo. I mean, that, yeah. that's a blessing, man. I went through that, man. No, I appreciate it. I, and I remember those times as well. And, and uh, you're right. People don't know that. They, they, don't, right. they don't know that 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 was my mindset. And so I, did, I didn't have that mindset for the first couple of years. I've said this many times, and maybe you've heard it before, that I took that same approach every year. Every every mm -hmm. time I came into camp, I, be, I believe I, I, hit, I had to earn my position another year. So when I stepped up, and this was all the way to year nine in Philadelphia, I was like, I have to earn my spot. I have to make sure that they know the safety position is taken care of. So that was my mindset throughout my throughout my career, to be honest with you. And, and mm. obviously, Brian, it, it paid. It paid dividends. You're, you're a Hall of Famer. But I got to ask you, like, it, and you've, you've also been a very, very strong advocate and very honest about the mental health and how critical yep. that is, too. Did that help or hurt you to an extent? Like, I, I'm sure it made you hungry and you were you never took anything for granted, man. But did it also kind of play some mind games that you probably didn't have to put that kind of pressure on yourself? How did that work in the early years before you really established yourself as a superstar? Well, I, I use a lot of stuff for fuel is what I did. And, you know, one of the the the, the thing that I could have I could have done differently, I should have done better is having people in my corner that I can talk to about mm -hmm. some of the things that I was feeling or going through or some of the things I had going through in the past to get some of those things out. Mm -hmm. I had the availability for those individuals to be that, but I chose not to do it because I grew up in a neighborhood that you suck it up, you deal with it, don't let them right. see you sweat, right? And you just deal with whatever comes your way and don't, never, don't ever let see, people see your emotions. That's how I came up. Mm -hmm. But that was not a very productive way and healthy way to handle the things that were going on in my life, especially as a rookie going to a new place. A lot was expected of me. A lot a lot was being demanded of me. And I, I didn't have an outlet. Excuse me. I had outlets. I just chose not to do it. So I, I wanted to come out and talk about some of the things that I've grown through in my life mm -hmm. to help other individuals who may have that same mindset, who may have that same um, bad perception of what a, how a man handles things so that they can develop those relationships and have those outlets to be able to share some of the things they're going through. You still can have a, um, a, um, a beast or killer mentality. You still can grind. You st I can still go get it. I can still have passion for life. But when there are things that I need to talk about to get out of me, some of the toxins that life, uh, some of the toxic things that life may throw at you because of some of the treatment by some other people towards you, I need to be able to talk those things out. And I'm in a much better place to do that now. So, so, so first and foremost, how do you handle it today compared to the way you handled it back then? What's been the biggest difference in terms of how you control it now? Wow. First of all, I know I can. Okay. That's the first thing about it. Mm. That I know I can. Da, da, da. And when you know you can do something, you're more apt to go down that path mm. to have a better conversation with yourself before you give an answer. So I'm cool with silence. The other thing, mm -hmm. like I'm cool with that pause that we just had. I'm cool with silence. So when if someone says something something to me, and I'll tell you this, 
I learned and developed this from dealing with some of the media in Philadelphia. So Wait. they would ask me. I said some of the media. I didn't say all of them. I oh, said some of the media. Woo, okay. Woo. <laughs> so they would ask me questions yeah. that would be trying to lead me down a path that I did not want to go down. So I learned the power of that pause. So take that mm. pause to take a deep breath. And then I say from a different place how I want the question to have asked or the, the, the direction I want the conversation to go. But that was up to me. So I, I guess I can say it like this as well, that the, the direction the conversation goes is dependent on the response that you give. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I collected myself, taking those pauses. And I do the same thing in life. Someone comes at me a, a specific way. I feel those emotions, right? The emotions rush me. I just allow myself to process and process, process them. Let me slow down. Process them from a different place mm-hmm. so that like we can have a better and more productive conversation. Mm. How, how, did, how did you deal with those pressures of being on the field, but then also the pressures of being, you know, home with your family? You know, because I mean, I, I personally, you know, there was times where, I mean, I could have exploded on my family, but I found a way to, you know, to, to take away from it. You know, maybe going in the garage for a little bit before I got to my family, you know, because I mean, the pressure just always there, always yeah. there. Yeah. And here's the thing. I did not do a great job of that early. Right. <laughs> my None of us did. Yeah. <laughs> my rookie year, especially. Right. Uh, and, and, and then understanding that um, you aren't supposed, we can't bring that stuff home. So I, I had to be able to do things in such a way as to separate those two. And I will tell you that the main ingredient that allowed me to do that, B, is my faith, mm-hmm. is me being prayerful me listening to specific music on the way home to kind of bring me down off of some of the emotions that may have happened at the job, right? All of those things are very important. And then the comp- the, the self-talk I had with myself, because we talk to ourselves quite a bit. Yep. And we have to make sure that those conversations that we have with ourselves are positive, are uplifting, are more in a, from a peaceful place instead of constantly rehearsing that anger, mm-hmm. that anger from work, that anger from that, that meeting that you had with that person. And now you haven't allowed yourself to come down off of the, those emotions and you're more apt than those, in those situations to then snap on your children, to snap on your wife, to not have patience in those, in those uh, endeavors. Right. So again, first of all, I knew I could, my faith, and then me choosing to do specific things as I drove home to come down. Mm. B-Dog, tell us about the, the Brian Dawkins Impact Foundation. What, what's that all about for people who, who, who are curious, who may not know? And, and obviously you have the tournament here next week, which you know, D-Gun and, and, and others will, will be a part of. Yeah, it's such a blessing to, to be able to do some things to bless some people. And that's what the foundation obviously is about. I've, I've been blessed to grow up um, in a neighborhood mm-hmm. with my mom and my dad in the household. I have some friends that I have actually lost um, young in life to the streets and those individuals did not have fathers. And so I believe a lot of that, the way that they went, the path that they took was because of that. So one of the things that the foundation does, and we just started that this year is to through the caring people's Alliance. And we're going to be blessing single parents, single, single parents, single moms and single dads with the, some of the things that they need to bless their children. 
So maybe their, their children wants to do some science camps. Just, maybe they, they're, they're very good with art, being an artist, right? So we can bless them with the money to go to these camps to keep them out of the streets, out of, out of um, anything that will prevent them from reaching their full potential and give their parents a peace of mind that they can go do what they need to do, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing is blessing um, uh, young adults, I'll call them high school age um, young men and women with some cerebral wellness tools. I don't say mental health because there's so much negative uh, negativity around it. I call it my cerebral wellness packages. And so what, what it is, is really teaching them what mental health really is, the stigma behind it, how to recognize when you need something or what your friend needs something, something, excuse me, how to get that help, but also the tools. There's some a lot of tools that I wish I would have had when I lost my friend in, in the eighth grade, the ninth grade, excuse me. And he, you know, we lost him to the streets, mm -hmm. like I said. I wish I would I wish I would have known these things when I was tearing up in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I didn't know why I was getting upset with people or pushing away from people. I didn't know why I was feeling that way. That's because I was mourning. But mm -hmm. I had no thirst, no, nobody telling me, no um body coming into the school to tell us these things. So there's things that we can do to help us um better manage our emotions we will never get rid of your emotions so stop trying your emotions are here and they're actually good mm -hmm. but when they when they go to a negative place there's certain things that we can do whether that be journaling which i do every day creating yourself a very positive playlist talking that your self-talk like i talked about earlier um and there's other things that you can do breathing is another very powerful one there's different things that you can do to help mitigate or bring down your emotions so you can again think and make decisions from a better place. Hey, Doc, how many schools and families, if you have a rough guesstimate, have you impacted so far? We have seven schools in Jacksonville right now, mm -hmm. and I believe we have five now in Philadelphia. And so that's over a thousand young young adults that we've mm -hmm. been able to bless with this program since 2020. So we've been doing mm -hmm. this a couple of years now. That's the first thrust into the giving realm when it comes to the foundation. But I think the, the one of the most powerful parts of that, though, is it's not just a classroom thing. It's that they can go online mm -hmm. and there's a storybook, storybook kind of mode of them seeing a person and then hearing their story. And there's a lot of questions asked of how would you how would you talk to your friend if they're, they're having these type of uh, these situations? Mm -hmm. And so you're learning how to then have the conversation, which are very uncomfortable if mm -hmm. you don't know how to, of how to have the conversations to help your friend. Mm. That's fascinating stuff. Go ahead, Big. I, and, you that's know, just, on, and that's online. That's by the way, that's by in, in the privacy of your own home, mm. no around nobody in the privacy of your home. That's great, man. You know, and and you know, in dealing it, it people even in, in a corporate world, you know, you you were blessed. You had two great defensive coordinators, you know, Emmett Thomas and the late and great Jimmy Johnson, you know, and dealing with them and the expectations that they had on you <laughs> and they gave you uh throughout your career with them, man. You know, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. One of the blessings, two of the blessings, I've obviously Emmett and, and, and Jim, is that neither one of those individuals did things the way that they are supposed to be done as far as just kind of black and white, right? Mm -hmm. You have a strong safety, you have a free safety, and you're either in the box mm -hmm. or you're deep, right? Neither one of them used me that way. Emmett used me as a third corner when I first got to the league. A lot of people don't know this. He used me. I, basically, I was the nickel. 
I would play nickel slot cover who the third receiver so we can keep certain packages on the field and we would yep. not have to get out of regular. So I did that quite a bit the first couple of years. He also didn't let me settle for good. He never let me settle for good. And I thought I was doing good a lot of the time. He was like, <laughs> right. you could have done that with your talent. You should have been doing that. But he wasn't using this kind of language and I'm using right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. language. And so I was always like, why, why is he grinding me like this? I know, I knew and I found out why this because he saw something in me that i could not see and here's the principle that i hope somebody grabs from this is that sometimes you have to grab the vision of somebody that somebody else has of you until you can come up with a vision for yourself and that's wow. what i did mm -hmm. i believed in emmett's vision of me and i began to go after the vision that he saw for me and then in that first year and into that second year into that third year especially i began to say wow i see what he's talking about so I no longer needed his vision. I created visions for myself now. Like all, I'm going after all of this now, right? And then that's when Jim came along. And Jim, Jim is the type of individual that if you have and you show that you have a skill set, he's going to create things to get that out or help that allow that to help the team, right? And so he literally um, built the team, the defense, excuse me, around a safety, and that's unheard of. Right. So began to create package after package after package for me, once again, because of the ability that I showed. And then I was all over the place. That's where obviously Weapon X come in. He's a weapon. I'm a weapon all over the place. So I, neither one of those individuals were playing checkers. They were both playing chess, the way that I call it. That's cool. How, how yeah. quickly did you know, Brian, that, that Jim Johnson was kind of at a different level than the way a lot of other, not Emmett, but a lot of other defensive coordinators operated? Did it take yeah. pretty – Pretty short time for you to figure out this guy's this guy's got something here. You said Jim or Emmett? Yeah, Jim, Jim. Jim. Yeah, yeah, Jim. It, it was pretty. It was pretty early in the process. Um, first of all, I began to blitz. It, even in his regular packages, the safeties blitzed a whole lot more, and I okay. was like, "Yes, I'm finally. <laughs> I'm going to stop covering all the time like I was doing with Emmett, and I, I actually get a chance to blitz a lot more." But then he began to just start asking me questions, and then I would come. We would come into the meetings and. He would have a, this new package and that new package featuring me or, or things. And so in, early on, I, I recognized right away that this, this cat is going to allow me to just absolutely mm -hmm. just have a party on the field. Like mm -hmm. he just been. And the other thing with him, I, I believe that he knew that I would do anything. <laughs> really <Right>. anything. <laughs> make That's it, saying a lot. Packages work. So whatever it is I need to do with my body, he knew this. And this is probably those screws loose loose that I say I have. <laughs> he knew I would do anything to make his packages work. And that's why my number was called so many times in the fourth quarter to you know to to mm -hmm. uh to help us win games. Well it wasn't just you that it just wasn't just you that um that took notice of it because um asked Deuce, you can ask Deuce the same thing. There were times where Troy Palomalo would pull us both aside. And here is another Hall of Famer saying, what made Brian such a good player? I mean, I know he was an athlete. He could do this, do that. And he would pick our brain, try to figure out what was the difference between him and you. I said, there's really no difference. It's just that Dawkins just never understood what he couldn't do. And that was the difference between I've seen most players. He didn't know what he couldn't do because he didn't allow anybody to tell him what he couldn't do. And, and and if you can you can ask you can go and you can ask Ducey this right now. That's how Troy really started coming to his own by just talking to me and him and, and just really trying to further himself as a player just because what he saw you do, man.
No, you changed wow. a lot. A lot. Well, you I turned a lot of heads. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know that. Um, I, I literally, the way that I played the game, I I stopped at some point. Here's I, I stopped competing. I stopped competing against other people. And just in my mind, I'm going to create. But what do you mean by that? We'll like, create. what people are you talking so, about? So, when you are playing a position, if you're if you're a safety, there is a I'm going to compete against other safeties. Okay, all right, yeah, I'm going to yeah. Compete against those other safeties to see who's kind of the best, right? Now, I'm a competitor. That's how I, you know, that's how we all do it. But at, really, at some point, and probably around year six, seven in, in my career it switched. Like I really begin to like create how I'm, cre I'm creating a different way of playing the position because of the talent that I have. I'm not saying that to myself, but this is what I was mm -hmm. literally, literally doing because of the way that I was blessed to have all of these skills. And so if you look at every statistical category, there's a significant number in there. The way that I blessed the field, because I didn't want to just have success in one area. I didn't want to be just good in interceptions. I didn't want to be just good in, in in big big hits. If you look at, um, I, I would do stuff like this, and I would have as a goal for mine for the year to only miss three tackles. Wow, that would be a, that would be a goal for me. And there's Ooh. many years I did just that. I mm -hmm. missed three tackles. So in my mind, I could do that. And so if I'm making every tackle. That means we're getting off the field. I'm not giving up yards after contact. And so, I mean, there's this, man, I can tell you so many games that I played against with myself. So I began to, like, compete against myself about tackling a running back. I'll give you this last thing. I, I'm, I know I'm kind of going all over the place here. So one of, the, one of the ways that I graded myself on film, Jim and whoever graded, they would grade tackle or assist, right? I would grade did I win that down that I win that tackle and I win the tackle if I make you go backwards or sideways mm -hmm. that's how I win that wow. down I won that down right that's and so that was the, com the competitor in me competing against myself to say that when I hit this dude he wins if he hits me and we go back that way a couple more yards I still mm -hmm. made the tackle cool but in my mind he won so that was that was, that was a plus that. in your coach's head, but yes. in your head, it was a negative. It's a negative. Wow. Hey, dog. Mm. As demanding as Jim Johnson was, at what stage of your tenure with Johnson did he give you the freedom to have more input um, in terms of how to utilize you, or maybe how to scheme certain offenses when you played them? It'd probably be around year three. Okay. Right around year three, and that was really because of um, me suggesting stuff like. Um, I would do things the way that he would ask me to do it. And then I would be like, but if I did it this way, if I cheated this way, if I showed, for instance, if I have the left half, of, a left half of the field mm -hmm. and the offense we're playing holds the snap long that I can actually show in the A-gap <laughs> and get to my spot. I can show in the A-gap. Like I'm going to be blitzing off the left side or the right side in the A-gap. Right. And I still can get to my spot. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I would tell him, like, if I can I can I can do it that way. But, you know, if I do it this way, it will actually make this line slide my way. Right. So they let other people come scot free on the other side. The only thing is, is we you have to get, get back there. We <laughs> have to get back there. But the corner to that side also has to know that I'm disguising. 
So he's going to trap the, the, the first flat or hot route, right? But because I'm disguising, he has to know that he has to play a little softer, mm. right? To give me a chance to get back so he can trap that hot route. So stuff like that, we began to discuss. And it just became the point that that's why when you talk to people about Jim Johnson's defense, it was like, you know, they were always blitzing. No, we weren't always blitzing. We just were moving around so much, testing mm. things out in practice that cats were running scot-free because they thought we were blitzing when we weren't. So it's just things like that that he allowed me to ad-lib that made me so excited. You know, that's why I was – I man, my goodness, I used to be so excited to go in to see like game um, game film to go in to see the game plan right away right to because in my mind I'm going in and my thought is how am I going to be used this week I can't mm-hmm. wait to see how I'm going to be used this week that's mm. fascinating Brian you you had an you still do I shouldn't say had this is present tense an unbelievable bond with the Philadelphia fans yeah. and I I said it before and I wasn't just just trying to be you know outrageous you, you arguably are the most popular Eagle that's ever played. And that's a mouthful for an organization that's been around since 1933, man. Can mm-hmm. you just talk about that and how quickly that bond formed between you and the fans here? It, it, formed, it, it formed pretty quickly. Mm. I believe a lot of it is because of the way that I play the game, because of what you just talked, what you talked about earlier, B that like, I, I didn't take stuff for granted. I, I grind. I, I work to, to earn everything that I got. I, and that's that's really been my life. I have to, I've had to work and grind for everything that I got. Things have not necessarily come easy to me. I was never the biggest in the neighborhood. So I always had to outwork other people. And I took that same mindset into the National Football League. So if you if when when people talk about Philadelphia, uh, the mindset of the, the working attitude, what do they say? It's blue collar. Mm-hmm. Yep. They work. So here you have a worker that's not going to complain. I'm not going to be complaining about what's not right or what somebody else did. I'm going to take responsibility for mine, right? And you're not going to hear me uh, complaining about stuff. I'm just going to suck it up, deal with it, do what I need to do better, right? And so I believe that. And the fact that I played with my emotions, man, like I didn't care. I, I was having such a party on the field. I was enjoying life so much to be blessed to be on the field in my and in my mind. If a fan all of a sudden knew the game plan on on Sunday, they had the athleticism, how would they play the game? Would they be quiet? Would they hand the ball back to the ref? No. No. If (laughs) if that's the only time you get to play football, you would act a fool. Like, you would literally (laughs) act a fool. Party and dance and you would make plays and just, you would be all over the place energy-wise, right? Right. That's how I played the game. Hey, Doc, when you look back at your career, who was your all-time single most favorite teammate? That's just quick. That's Troy. That's okay. big, big brother Troy. Like, that's – it's and it was funny that at one time when I was an executive with the Eagles, um, I, was, I was going back looking at some old tape of myself. And – at certain times on film, I couldn't tell Troy from me because I was mimicking him so much in, <laughs> in, in my technique and my bump and run and all that stuff. So I couldn't tell in stance who was who because the the, the film was also so grimy, you know, grimy that that I yeah. couldn't see. Yeah. So it's just 
But literally, a lot of the things that early on in my career, I began to model after him, watch how he handles the media, right? Because he was the voice. He was the voice, right? Yeah. He was, if you had any questions to ask, like, I, and I was so happy at the time. I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, y'all got tough questions? No, Troy. Like, Troy, <laughs> Troy got it. Troy. Yeah. So I watched him, and I watched how he handled himself. I watched how he handled you know, his business and, and how he was a professional and his technique. You know, he was very technical, technically sound. Mm. And so I would ask him questions and he would um, basically take me, took me under his wing to kind of, you know, te teach me about how to be a professional. So I would say right off the bat, it would be Troy. Mm. And I okay. still call him my big brother to this day. It's mm. funny, man, because Troy wasn't really a vocal, vocal guy. What I saw when I was on the opposite side of the ball. So I didn't spend as much time as you did with him. But Troy was, you could just tell he was just the constant professional. I can remember mm. him and, and, and Irvin Fryer. I mean, I saw some of the most classic battles in practice at it, with, with him it. and Troy. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought they were, and they both came from Miami, I think, too. And yep. they would just go at it in practice. I say that was a battle right there, man. So I'm glad you told me that, man. Because I, now that I look at it, man, that, that's 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 an awful lot of um, knowledge that you can get from a guy like him. First first rounder played, mean played as long as he did. Mm -hmm. That's great. And, and now look at him now, man. He's one yeah. of the top two, three guys in the entire National Football League. Doesn't and it doesn't surprise me. No, no I'm not no, either. No. I'm not surprised one bit from what I, I know about Troy. Hey, Doc, you know, um, I, I have to ask you about the current state of, of, of this team that you love. Um, when you played and you look at the guys you played with, you guys put new meaning to the word defense mm -hmm. when you played. Give me your breakdown of what you saw from a Jonathan Gannon defense in 2021. Well, for the year, I, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know who they are. Okay. I just, and I'm just being, I don't know who they are. It started off one part of the year doing one thing. And then the next half of the year, they did a, like a different thing. So I don't, I don't know who really they are. Right. Mm -hmm. Very passive, giving up a whole bunch of yards and just allowing people to just dink and dunk them to death and take, you know, all up and down the, the field. In the beginning, then they begin to blitz towards the second half of the season. So they flip the script of how they he called the defense. So again, I don't know, I don't know who he who he really is. So mm -hmm. we'll find out who he is this year. I see they're going out trying to. Uh, sounds like they're going to you know try to beef up the secondary as well now mm -hmm. at, at this point. So they're doing some things to help them potentially be a more aggressive defense. And that was the mm -hmm. first half of the season. I was I was like. Be honest with you, I was about to pull my hair out. I mean, that was unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, you can't. There's no way in no part of football that you that you that you allow starting quarterbacks to see what you're going to wind up in mm -hmm. over and over and over again. That's that's literally and be you know this. That's walkthrough. That's what yep. you guys do in walkthrough. You say this is what yeah. a safety is going to be. These are going to be the spots you can hit, and that's what they kept doing. They were lining up in it. And I'm like, oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> but but what that also does, it puts a whole lot of pressure on your players because you're you're asking them to do up and above because the quarterback knows where the weaknesses in your defense yep. because they've walked through it and they've watched it on film. So again, we'll find out who they really are mm -hmm. this year um, with some of the additions they've added. Mm. See, that's that's now that's two. That's two great eagles to say the same thing. Seth Joyner screamed it all last well, year. I, I can only imagine the Seth song. <laughs> oh, you don't want to know. You don't want to know what Seth did. Oh, and now B Dog said the same thing. I don't think B Dog would use that kind of language that Seth used. That's okay. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That's a different story. Brian, I got to ask you, you know, the, when you left in 08 and, and, and I remember when you came back and, and everything, how, how emotionally trying was that for you to, to put on another uniform after all those years with the birds? I explain it like this now because I know it like this now that I literally went through mourning is what mm. I did. Mm. I went through a period of mourning. Mm. Um, I was sad. I was crying often for no reason. And so, yeah. and I literally was going through mourning because in my mind I had lost a family member. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you lose a family and I'm not trying to equate it to anybody losing, please don't, please don't yeah. think that I'm, I'm actually saying it. But in my mind, because of the love that I have for that city, I lost a family member. Right. So in my mind, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm tearing up, I'm crying, and I'm, I'm calling different people to see, you know, what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I had to, first of all, forgive those individuals. And it wasn't for them. As we know, it was for me, mm -hmm. right? And I went to a place that um, I, I begin to do things from a place that says that I'm going to now go prove me right not prove them wrong because mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to have any power over my decisions or anything going forward. So that's, and that's, that, that's for somebody, somebody, mm -hmm. need, somebody needed that. And so when I came back to Philadelphia though, like it was, I was emotional. That's, that was the first and only time that I, I had never came out for, I didn't come out for warmups. Yep. That's the yep. first and only time because I couldn't, man, mm -hmm. I was crying. <laughs> I was in that crime and I could, I couldn't control myself like emotionally. Um, I had a, had a couple of my guys, um, Vernon Fox come in and had to pray for me. Like it was, it yeah. was tough going to that place and to going into the visiting locker room and then coming out having to play. When I, but once I came out to play, it was on, right? I'm, I'm a flip yep. that switch and go. Mm -hmm. But going back, I couldn't come out for warm up. So yeah, that was that was extremely tough. Learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Learned a whole lot about myself and how to do things differently going forward. Mm -hmm. But it was extremely, extremely painful. The the day you got traded, I remember you were gracious enough to come on live with me on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And we did a, a special show because nobody else got to Brian Dawkins, you know, but us that day. And, you know, I asked you questions, you answered questions, and I can tell you were getting emotional. And then all of a sudden, I've never had this happen to me before or since. In the middle of the interview, Dawkins goes, D-Gun, I got to go, and just hung up. And then we're on air like, uh, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be right back after this. Yeah, couldn't yeah, do it. Yeah. Couldn't you know? do it. I and couldn't, I know how much it hurt you. Yeah, I know I couldn't, how much it hurt you. I couldn't find the words, but I couldn't find the words, and and uh, it, it was best for me to to not say anything if I'm in an emotional place because it yeah. could be kind of could I could have said something that I would have regretted. So I just decided that, yeah, I, it, it's time for me to sit this down, shut this down. You know, uh, 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 I, you've answered this question for me a lot of times also, and we have a lot of new followers uh, here, as you can see in our chat room. And I've got to ask you for a lot of them. I've asked so many ex-players this, but you in particular, because of your pedigree and what you've accomplished as a professional athlete, why are you not coaching in the game today? <laughs> I, I love this answer. <laughs> so a so, so, couple of things. The, the first yeah. and the ultimate is I could never make Connie a single mom again. Yeah. I, because we spend so much time away. I know I did anyway, yeah. because I was the way that I played the game, how physical I was. I was usually in somebody's training room or <laughs> right. to work some <laughs> IV treatment. I was always getting something done to my body to get me back right to, yep. to go that um, Connie basically was a single mom. So I couldn't do that to her again. The other thing is this, when I, when I got a chance to be an executive yeah. and I was in the building a whole lot of times late, you know, doing different things, I would see those dudes 
and how much time they put in. And I was like, man, there's no way in the world that I can do that. Like, oh my goodness, they, they're watching tape and sometimes tape begin to watch them, right? So like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I can't, there's no way I can do that. And then lastly, but what I'm blessed to, to do for people I could not do that if I'm in one spot. If I'm under someone, some some organization, I wouldn't be able to bless people the way that I'm blessing them right now. So mm. that, that would probably that's that's kind of the ultimate. My calling is is not to be coaching from that level. Um, it's it's to be coaching from a from a broader broader mm. level. Well, what um? Go ahead, back. This is my last question, bro. Mm. Um, when did you know that you transcended just being a regular football player and became a Hall of Famer? You know, because I mean, that's 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 a transition that, you know, I, I could have never done that. You know, I wasn't in that position in my life. or I wasn't that good of an athlete. But you knew early you were good. But when did you know that you really, you know, transcended and became a Hall of Famer? I didn't. You didn't? Wow. <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't. My my B man, my, my I'm telling you, my mindset was to grind. My mindset was to keep my head down and get it to get better. How can I get better? What are some of the things I can do in the offseason to get better? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to increase doing? Is there something new that techno like a techno technological thing that I can now add to my repertoire? So I was constantly trying to get better. How can I? What are things that I need to eat? You know, is there's a hyperbaric chamber that bought me one of those? So I'm, I'm constantly trying to gain and and get better mm -hmm. and, then, and, and ultimately along the way i'm also like thinking about my teammates i'm thinking about y'all right so how can i how can i how can i be an shining example to those who are coming behind me to do things differently so my right. mind was how can i make sure that i'm a quality citizen mm -hmm. for fans to observe and, and and want to to model themselves after so I'm, I'm i'm in that mind space so i was literally not thinking about that until probably when i got to the uh the broncos hmm. and people kept saying future hall of famer brian Dawson, right right hall of famer then you're like wow now you can kind of then i kind of pick my head up and then you kind of look at you wow wow you know what i I might have a chance to to actually do that See, i've but been in, blessed man yeah but man. in the interim man i'm telling you i was grinding man i was literally grinding and and my definition for grinding i've learned is different from a lot of people, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Grinding <laughs> is different. Hey, I think one of the greatest compliments to you that could ever be given was a few years after you left, Joe Banner said one of the biggest executive's mistakes he ever made was allowing Brian Dawkins to leave Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. He didn't he wouldn't admit it at the time, but he came to a realization that he had made a mistake. And Joe Banner doesn't openly admit stuff like that a lot, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. But for him to say that about Brian Dawkins, you knew what Brian Dawkins meant to this organization. Let me tell you one of my um, part, another part of my mindset, how I how I operated. Right. First of all, was my contract situations. All right. Contract situations. When I got a contract. I went and I was head fully going full steam ahead to get the next one. So I wasn't concerned with this one. I got that one. Thank you for mm -hmm. that. But I'm not. I'm going to prove that you were right by by keeping me here. But mm -hmm. now I'm going to go get this next one. Mm -hmm. That was my mindset. And then ultimately, I always wanted to represent myself in such a way as a player and a person to make letting me go be the hardest thing you ever do. Mm -hmm. That was my mindset. So 
if you're you saying that, that means that I did exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to represent myself and my family and, and, and the God that I serve the right in such a way that the person who wants to move on from me, it's the toughest decision they've they ever have to make in their life. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, Brian, I got to ask you, I, I know you weren't on the field and that would have been the ultimate, but you were an executive at the time when they finally won it. And you had, you delivered an unbelievable message it, right to the camera, right on the field to, to the people of Philadelphia. But yeah. what did that night mean to you as someone who let's face, I mean, your blood is green, right? I mean, I, and I know you Absolutely. had some great years with the Broncos, Absolutely. but what did that mean to you? Oh, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And, it's hard for me to truly articulate to people on this side now of how much of that I saw coming. Mm. Like I can, I can see some of these things. And I told you, uh, I, 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 I told yes, you, you did. Yeah. He in training camp, that 2017 season, when I Doc and I standing on the practice field in training camp, I said, doc, what do you think about this team? He says, I don't know, but there's something special about this team. And I said, come on, doc. I mean, they just come off a of six and 10 season, first year of Doug Peterson. I said, come on, man. I said, you got people screaming. They want Doug Peterson fired before 2017. And Doug goes, D-Gun, I'm telling you, there's something special about this team. And lo and behold, look what they did. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And 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 so the process of that was they, we were able – I'll say it like this. It's hard for you to have conversations with people when you're, when you're winning mm -hmm. about things they need to change. Mm -hmm. that's, that's just the truth. Because – we had lost so many close games. And then we were in all of those games in fourth quarter mm -hmm. that now individuals like myself, we can have tougher conversations with people about things that they can't see. One of the hardest thing it, it is for a person to be a lot of times to see outside of a picture frame when you're in it. Right. Mm. So they sometimes can't see some of the things that they need to change in order mm. for the team to be better. So now individuals like myself, I can then ask and talk to them on a different level about some things that they need to change mm -hmm. because it's hard for me, Barrett, be if, if I, if I told you to run hard in practice and you not, you don't, you see me not running hard and I tell you to run hard or I ask you to run hard, what would you be like? Right. Well, how come you're not doing it? Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but when you flip, when you see me busting my hunt, running so hard that I have to get IVs, right? And then when I ask you to do something, what are you willing? You're more willing to then come with mm -hmm. me and we'll do this thing together. Not you doing it without me. It's now we're doing this thing together. That's mm -hmm. what I saw. Was that, was that, that um, what's that was a, what, what was the relationship between you and Malcolm at the time? So, cause that's, that's, I mean, he, he was in that transition period of, of, of really taking over as the, you know, the, the face the of that defense. Yeah. 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 During Man, that time. So, so the things, the things that I say with guys, two guys is between me and them. And if they right. decide to talk about some stuff it's on them, but yeah, we did have some conversation. The thing that I, the thing that I wanted to do for Malcolm though, I wanted to stay out of like the light as much as possible. Right. I, okay. I did not want people to be looking at me and him at the same time at any given wow. time. I wanted him to be the focal. I wanted it to be about Malcolm, right? I wanted him to have right. his spot. He have his time. I've had mine. I've been blessed to do my thing. This is about Malcolm. This is about him growing as a leader and as a player to help the team do exactly what mm. they did. Awesome. Mm. Wow. Well, Brian, tell, tell us a little bit, and we appreciate your time today. You've been very kind with it. Uh, about the upcoming golf tournament you have, the Brian Dawkins Impact Foundation, Pen yep. Oaks in Westchester next Wednesday. Give folks some information, website, whatever they can do. To how contribute. they can donate. Yeah. Yeah. How can yeah, they help? So you, you can go to BrianDawkins.com to find out all this information. Everything okay. is on there. Okay. And then you'll see, you know, some of the in, individuals that'll be there. We're going to have a. <laughs> 
Uh, and B, you know this. One of the things that we miss as players is the locker room. Yep, exactly. Yep. Some of the things that happen in the locker room. Some, <laughs> of, the, some of the conversations right. that happen in the locker room. So I'm looking forward to the locker room coming back yeah. and getting together. And you'll be you'll have a chance to be a part of that. If you come what out to the soiree and, you know, there's a bunch of tickets still left for the soiree, you'll be able to, to meet some of these guys. And we have a bunch of individuals coming out who are gracious to spend their time out there with us. And and ultimately, it's to bless those families that I was talking about, those people mm. that, I, that I was talking about, those young people, that they'll be able to see life differently. And I don't know how much time we have, and I, I can give you a quick story. So yeah. mm -hmm. one of the things that one of the things that has blessed me in my life is someone blessed me with the opportunity to go to a camp. It was an FCA camp in North Carolina, basketball camp, my 11th grade year, and we couldn't afford it. So somebody played, paid for a scholarship for me to go to that camp for me to experience what I had experienced. And in that camp, I, I was, um, we were kind of led down the path of how to study the word of God, how to journal. That was the first time ever hearing the word and talking about the word journaling, right? Just during that time. But also, I saw a neighborhood that I wanted to live in. Mm -hmm. I saw a specific way I wanted my family to operate in because I had seen my father and how hard he was working and he's a hard worker. So that told me that hard work by itself does not get you where you what you wow. are, some of the some of the things that people actually think. It, mm -hmm. It's not hard work by itself. It's, it's mm -hmm. other things. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted, I came up with that vision. And that became the thing that I began to chase. Hmm. So now some of these other individuals that I was maybe hanging out with, they, if they're going to prevent me from reaching this visit, I can't, I can't hang out with these cats no more. I'm good. Y'all go ahead. I'm good. Right. Because I got this vision. I, I know how I want my family to live, me and my family to live. Hmm. Fast forward to now. I want to have that, give that same opportunities to these young people. I want them to see things outside of their communities. This thing is these, this is limited. This thing is not your imagination. This mm -hmm. is not. So I, I really want to allow them to see outside of their mm -hmm. community, to feel it, to, to have the emotions of it. So they chase that. They chase that. Come up with a vision for themselves and they chase that. That's literally what the foundation really is, 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 is wrapped around, is allowing people to get the, the resources, absolutely, all of those things, but to get a vision of things that are different that they can have. Mm -hmm. Hey, Doc, cool. my, my last question to you. Um, last October, you and I were on a panel, a discussion panel, in front of five or 600 people at Rowan University uh, talking about your life and a book you had just recently released. How's the book been doing? It's doing well. Let's buy the yeah. best. I'm still, still yeah. doing my pub work. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, But it's doing well. It's doing well. And, and I get so many DMs from people who read some of the story and, and certain yeah. things stand out for them from the book and that's what it was mm -hmm. about every chapter i wanted something for you to pull something mm -hmm. for yourself to, to help you wherever you find yourself that's awesome man uh, it's great stuff brian listen man we can't thank you enough for for the amount of time you gave us for all the work that you're doing for the yeah, memories man. you know what you, you bro. to give back to this community man we appreciate it very much thank yeah. you i'll see you i'll see you tuesday wednesday indeed and that and, and gentlemen that's I, I i just gave you the things that we're doing that's not what we're planning on doing going forward but I, mm -hmm. we don't have time for all of those things so again yeah. just know just know when you when you're when you bless the foundation you're blessing so much more 
yeah. than just those programs that I just mentioned. There's other things down the road, learning centers and stuff like that, that we're going to be doing to, again, really bless people's futures. Bless their nows, absolutely. But we're trying to bless their now for their future. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. Brian, That's thanks. Awesome, man. Thanks, man. Uh, wish you all the best. Uh, looking forward to you being in town next week. Thank yeah, you, bro. Brian. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Man. That is Brian Dawkins. Hey, wow, man. man. Um, I can I can remember when uh, the rumor first came out, hmm. um, and Doc was still an Eagle that he that 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 particular season might be his last season with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, his contract was coming up, so he he allowed me to do a sit down interview with him up at Lehigh when it was still up at Lehigh. Hmm. So I'm sitting down and I'm just going to have football conversation about Brian and I'm asking questions about going out with a bang and you know uh, a blaze of glory, and in the middle of the interview, now we all knew Brian was a passionate football player on the field. But in the middle of the interview, he breaks down and starts crying. So my producer standing there, he's like, whoa. And then the Eagles PR staff is off to the side, and they're determining whether or not they're going to step in and stop the interview mm -hmm. and let Brian regain his compo composure. And I'm looking at the PR staff. If you step in and stop this interview, we got a problem. You know? Right, right. And he kept talking, and the interview ended up great. I'm like, and so when we we finished the interview, I'm standing there with my producer. I believe it was Neil Slocken at the time. And we're like, can you believe what we just got? So I immediately texted his wife and said, Connie, I'm doing this interview with Brian, and he breaks down and starts crying. And she goes, Dion, he always cries. I'm like, just burst my bubble. I'm like, Dion, he's always crying about something. I'm like, what? Really? Oh, man, but it still was great for us because nobody else had it. Amen. But I was like, but I didn't know that emotional side of Dawkins. We knew the passionate side as a football player. And, you know, I, I must say, you know, Brian Dawkins doesn't get close to a lot of people, but he and I have had some incredible conversations. And and, and my my greatest my greatest gift I've ever received from a Brian Dawkins is the man gave me two autographed jerseys, one Philadelphia Eagle and one when he played with Denver. I still have, and I keep those at a safe place. They may never be seen. That's mm -hmm. how much I cherish those those jerseys. Says it all, man. Mm -hmm. and, and and Barrett, you had the good fortune to be his teammate. Oh and, my goodness, and a good friend wow. of his. I mean, it, amazing. Amazing you know human being, man. We've, uh, all the questions we asked Doc, I wanted to ask him, be, uh, Doc, tell me about the story about you sleeping on, on Bear Brooks. Oh. I forgot to ask you all the questions we asked. Bro, everybody made a point. Bro, man. Just, just imagine this. Hollis Thomas comes to my house. Because I invite those guys over for uh, – because all at the time all those guys were single or their wives and stuff were um, back home. But Thanksgiving, they come to my house. Him, Hollis Thomas, Bob uh, – Bobby Taylor, all of them come to my house. You know, me and the wife, we cook, you know, all this food from everything. We cook like 10 uh, sweet potato pies. Woo! Hollis Thomas comes up, grabs a whole pie, <laughs> and there's aluminum, and folds the aluminum half like you fold a taco, and <laughs> twisted the pie. And come on, man. Come and on, ate man. it like a taco. Oh, my God. Ate it like a taco, man. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, you know, we all got the itis. He goes over there, lays down. Next thing you know, look at Bobby Taylor. He sprawled out of a long, I got a long chair. He <laughs> sprawled out of his long chair. I'm looking at these guys like, yo, what, what, what is, is going, going on? Yeah, where it's are the, we? The turkey, man. It's the turkey, man. Dude, speaking of Hollis Thomas, I used to do a radio show with Joe Krause years ago, and we did it at the Chickies and Pete off of 476. And occasionally we would have Hollis on. So Chickies and Pete was kind enough to give us free food, whatever we wanted. You know, their menu is, is superb. Amazing. Hollis would always order a whole pizza. And I'm talking, you know how big their pizzas are. Yeah. 
those pieces will be gone in three bites or less. I mean, he would fold a piece in half and scarf. We got to get Hollis on the show because this eating is legendary. We I, gotta, I've, I, I've done shows with him too. I, yeah. I know. I know. He can, he can get after it, man, Yeah, at, at a remote. That's for sure. All right, let's uh, let's grab a quickie here, and we'll come back. As I promised, we'll dive into the schedule uh, that came out yesterday for the Eagles. We'll also recap some of the things that Brian had to say, which were just fascinating, man. That's for sure. Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.